There's three parables here and then sort of a parable uh, about the new and old treasures in the end as well. So we'll look at those four sections in our sermon. So Matthew 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. And after we've listened to the proclamation of God's word, we'll sing in response hymn 71, the stanzas 1 and 2. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Boys and girls, do you like to go treasure hunting? Maybe sometimes you go out walking and you see different colored rocks that you you like to collect and bring home or you keep special shaped pebbles or bird feathers or stuff like that that you find. Or maybe you have some sort of collection, a card collection, a coin collection, a, a car collection, a doll collection. Maybe you have some sort of collection to keep track of different places that that you've been, postcards or something like that. And we all like to collect things that are special or precious to us for one reason or another. Things that that look precious or things that, that are special to us. That's why stories about precious treasure, hidden pirates, gold, have been written from ancient times and people are still writing these things today. And so, what would you do if you discovered hidden treasure? If you found a a pirate's loot buried in your backyard? You'd be overjoyed and unbelievably excited, wouldn't you? Well, our text today teaches us about a treasure that is beyond our wildest dreams Treasure that is worth far more than than pirate's gold, more than all the treasure of the world. And so we're going to hear about that treasure, the treasure of the kingdom of heaven. And we'll look at two aspects of that treasure of the kingdom of heaven. We'll see that it is incredibly precious, and we'll see that it is hidden, but it is ready for us to find. So in our first parable, verse 44, we meet a man who is... Finding treasure. But the man isn't really the point of the parable. 
the point of the parable is the treasure or the kingdom of heaven. That is like treasure. So what is the kingdom of heaven? Well, the kingdom of heaven is, is God's kingdom, the, the place where God is, is reigning. And the gospel of Matthew tells us that, that we can join God's kingdom now. And eventually, God's kingdom is going to come in all of its fullness. And so if we join God's kingdom now, we will be part of that great and awesome, that eternal, perfect kingdom of God when the new heavens and the new earth come. And our text today tells us that the kingdom of heaven is like treasure. It is a treasure that is more precious than than buried gold doubloons, more precious than any treasure you can think of. But the parable teaches us, first of all, that the kingdom of heaven is like treasure that is hidden. It's not that God deliberately hides the kingdom of heaven out of people's view. The problem, though, is the vast majority of people pass it by. Because the kingdom of heaven is not the sort of treasure that people are looking for. Its values are not their values. Because it's not actually literal treasure. It isn't made of gold. It doesn't gleam and and shine. It's not about having your best life now, becoming rich, being healthy and wealthy in this life. But this man, he finds the treasure, says verse 44, by God's grace. The kingdom of God, we see, is hidden to most people, but not everyone. And so what is the kingdom of heaven like then? Why, how, what kind of a treasure is it if it is not a treasure of gold or something like that? Well, the kingdom of God is, we learn throughout the book of Matthew, it's about love and it's about repentance. The kingdom of heaven is full of grace and forgiveness and bearing good fruit. And this man, by God's grace, he finds this treasure, the treasure of the kingdom of heaven. But what he does first, we might be surprised at. He, he goes and he hides the treasure again. He covers it up. And then he goes and he sells all that he has, and he buys the field so that the treasure is legally his. And so if we take this parable literally, we might assume that you can buy your way into the kingdom of heaven. If you give enough money to God, or to, to the church, or something like that. Is that how you get the kingdom of heaven? And we might wonder why the man would be so quick to hide this treasure up again. But some of these questions uh, are not really answered by our parable because it's not really the point. What Jesus, Jesus' point here by calling the kingdom of God hidden treasure that the man covers up, His point is to show how desperate this man is to to get the treasure for himself. And what he is telling us here is that the kingdom of heaven is an individual thing. Faith is a firm personal confidence in God. You can't take other people into the kingdom of heaven with you, so to speak. Everyone has to find it and to believe it for themselves. And Jesus uses the picture of treasure for the kingdom of heaven because he knows us and he knows our hearts. Boys and girls, if you found actual treasure, uh, a treasure chest hidden in your backyard, would you shrug your shoulders and just keep going with life? No. We would all do exactly what this man does. We, we would want to keep 
the treasure for ourselves. But you see, many people do that with the gospel. They, they hear the most wonderful news about eternal life, about God's grace and how we are delivered from misery and from the hopelessness of life. And they just ignore it. They pass it by. They keep on living their life as they are. Only those whose eyes are, are open really recognize the kingdom of God as treasure. That's why Jesus is constantly saying in these parables, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And so, brothers and sisters, have you found this treasure? Are you part of the kingdom of God? How do you know? Well, we learn from the response of this man. As we saw, he, he hides the treasure again. He covers it up to make sure that he will gain this treasure for himself. And then it says, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has. And so by this, Jesus is telling us that, that if we have the kingdom of God, it will turn our life upside down. Nothing will be quite the same again. And that is how you know if you have this treasure. Your life is different. But it is a wonderful difference. And we see that from this man who, who joyfully sells all that he has. He could joyfully undo everything that his life had, had gotten to up to this point because he knew that this treasure was worth far more than everything he possessed put together. And so being part of the kingdom of heaven is our entire identity. It's all of our life. Nothing else matters. It replaces everything else in life. Our life will be completely different after we have found Jesus and God's kingdom. But it is worth it. And so Jesus is telling us, if we would truly understand how wonderful the kingdom of God is, we too would joyfully give up everything we possess, money, possessions, people, in order to have it. And we get in return, we get a wonderful and eternal joy. We'll be filled with love and, and peace instead of selfishness and earthly pleasure and the, and the bitterness and the trouble of life. And so then, how do we find this kingdom? How do we make sure that we get it for ourselves? Well, like everything else in life, if we look around us, we might assume that the kingdom of heaven is about competition, about making sure we have it and excluding others. And we might assume we have to earn our way in either by buying it or, or some other way. But Jesus and the Bible itself tells us that the kingdom of heaven is about grace. It is free. If you buy it, you do not buy it with any money, and you buy it without price, as Isaiah 55 says. It is given to those who do not deserve it. It is given to those who are dead in trespasses and lost in their sins. And so you also can't, can't earn your way in by by your own good deeds. You find it only by, in a sense, doing nothing of yourself. You find it by admitting that you are a sinner who does not deserve to have the kingdom of God. And then by trusting completely in Jesus instead. And if you admit that you have no life in yourself, and then you will find eternal life in Jesus Christ. You will find complete life. And so this kingdom of heaven is contrasted with, with having many possessions. 
And we can see that contrast today. We can see in our prosperous society, many people have a good amount of possessions. And we too, many of us, can look at our lives and see many conveniences that we have and many things we have that make life comfortable. And yet, do these things make people content? No. We're always wanting more. We always want more comfort. There's always more possessions that we could add. More, we all think, will make life better. And yet, no matter how much we have, we never quite get there. We never quite get to that place where we have true and lasting joy, true contentment that we are happy with what we have. And that's because, as our passage shows, true joy and true contentment is found only in God, in the kingdom of heaven, in Jesus Christ. And its joy is so great, it is worth more than all the the world has to offer. If you, if you did sell everything you had to gain the kingdom of heaven, you'd be far better off than when you started. And so we too are called to give up everything to come to Christ in his kingdom. And these words remind us perhaps a little bit of the rich young ruler a few chapters later in Matthew. A young man who's very rich, who Jesus told to sell everything you have and then come follow me. And we are told that he went away sadly because he had great wealth. And perhaps you hear these words of our text with some worry. I like my possessions, my food and my drink, my house and my car. Do I really have to give it all up? Or do I have to feel guilty whenever I buy something that I I don't literally need to survive? And the answer is not necessarily, but maybe Not necessarily because you can't literally buy your way into the kingdom of heaven. So even if you sold everything you had and gave the money to the poor or to the church, it wouldn't guarantee you entrance into the kingdom of God. Again, Jesus says in Revelation 22, The Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come, and let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who desires take the water of life without price. You don't buy your way in. You just simply come to Jesus in faith and you will be led in. Eternal life is free. And nor do you earn it by your holiness or your good works. But Jesus does warn us. This is the maybe part. Jesus does warn us that our money and our possessions, they do very often keep us from the kingdom of God. There's a great danger of that. And so Jesus is often contrasting earthly wealth with the kingdom of heaven. In the rich young ruler's case, he couldn't have both. He had to choose because his wealth was keeping him from the kingdom. His, his, he was trusting in his money rather than in Jesus. And so he had to get rid of all of his money so that he could trust completely in Jesus Christ and he would have the kingdom of God. And so for us, To find the kingdom of God, we too have to trust in Jesus Christ with all we have, which means we have to give up anything that we love more than God, whatever is keeping us from trusting in Jesus with all of our heart that we have to give up. Whatever tempts us to sin, we must give up for the sake of the kingdom. But when we hear those words, we might imagine ourselves reluctantly selling the things that we truly love. But that's not what Jesus is calling us to do. 
to get rid of all our nice things and then spending our life bitter and resentful that we can't have nice things. In fact, that won't help us at all because in a sense, that's still the same sin. That's still idolatry. We're still loving our possessions and money more than God. We just don't happen to have any. And what Jesus is telling us here and showing us is a man who joyfully gets rid of all that he has in order to obtain the kingdom of heaven. And that's what truly trusting in Jesus Christ leaves us with. When we do that, we realize that the kingdom of God and eternal life is truly worth far more than any joy and any pleasure that we get from the things of this life. And when that joy of the kingdom of God starts to work its way through our life, we can more and more joyfully give up what we need to in order to serve God or in order to give to others or to God's kingdom. And so the truth is that Jesus doesn't actually call us to literally sell all that we have in order to follow him. But we need to be willing and ready to. We need to be not so attached to our possessions, our money, our life, our, our businesses, our houses, etc., that we have built up so that we couldn't do it. Or if we don't have such wonderful jobs and businesses and houses and cars, we don't want to spend our life resenting that fact or jealously seeing what others have. And a good way to know if we truly are holding on to our possessions more than the kingdom of God is to see if we are generous with what we have, if we cheerfully give to God and and to those who lack. Firstly, because that's a way that we can love others by giving. But secondly, because when we give away possessions in this life, it reminds us that, that we are receiving an earthly kingdom that cannot be shaken, and that's worth far more than any pleasures that this earth can give. But Jesus' words are also about more than just money. They also speak about uh, a life that is devoted to serving God. A life that gives up selfishness and any other sin that, that centers on ourselves. And that's even more clearly seen in, in the second parable, the pearl of great value. The meaning of these two parables is, is really very much the same. It's about how much worth the kingdom of heaven has and that it's, it's worth far more than any, anything else. But there's one big difference between the two parables, and that is in how they are found. The man in verse 44 is not looking for treasure. Perhaps he's just walking over a stranger's field on his, on his way somewhere. Perhaps he's plowing his master's field. But either, whatever he's doing, he, he's walking somewhere on a field that's not his, and and he suddenly stumbles over this treasure. But the man in verse 45 is is looking for it. He's a professional treasure hunter, we could say. He's he's searching for for pearls. It's, It's his business. And during his business activities, he finds the world's most beautiful pearl, recognizes how amazing it is, and then he sells everything he has in order to have it. And this describes the the two ways that people find the kingdom of God. Some people come on it very unexpectedly. They're living a regular worldly life. They're atheists who, who hate God. But one day they hear something or somebody talks to them and God comes into their life like a hurricane. There are others who are 
we could call, what we could call professional religious people. They go from one religion to another or from one church to another, desperately trying to find true meaning somewhere. But they don't find it until they truly find Jesus. Until they truly understand the grace that the Lord Jesus Christ has, has given. And then they realize, finally, here is truth. Here my searching can stop. And so sometimes this pearl merchant might even describe some of us in the church. We've heard about the kingdom of God a lot, maybe even since we were babies. We're interested, but we're not really ready to commit, to give up everything and sacrifice our entire life to follow Jesus. We want to try out different things, different beliefs, different churches, different sins before we will be all in. But with this parable, Jesus teaches us that we will find no rest until we find him. Nothing in this world will ever give true joy and satisfaction. Nothing is ever worth it except in Christ. And no life is worth living unless it's a life that loves God alone. Any other religion, especially the religion of our society today about lust and free sex, Every other religion will leave us hollow and empty. And no sin will truly give us joy and pleasure, just despair. And so don't waste your life like this pearl hunter did on anything lesser. Give up everything in order to follow Christ and find the kingdom of heaven. And we see this from the pearl hunter. He, having found the most beautiful pearl, he sells everything that he has, which includes every other pearl in his collection. And so we are called to get rid of any other allegiance, any other belief, anything else in which we put our trust and hope in instead of God and Jesus Christ. And God's promise is that when we do that, we will find in Christ everything that we need. We will find true joy and everlasting love and hope that is ours forever. And so, brothers and sisters, perhaps especially the young people in our congregation. Do not waste your life trying to find joy and happiness anywhere else. You will not find it. Nothing in this world has any value without Christ. And so, for the sake of finding Christ, we can give up everything. As the Apostle Paul writes in Philippians, nothing compares with the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, our Lord. And for His sake, we can suffer the loss of all things and count them rubbish in order to gain Christ. And then, gaining Christ, we will also gain true and eternal joy. And that takes us to our second point, that the kingdom of heaven is hidden, but also ready to find. In another parable, in verse 47, the Lord Jesus describes the end of those who find the kingdom and also the end of those who do not. He writes how the kingdom of heaven is like an an assortment of fish that is caught in a net. Just like the world is full of an assortment of people. Christians and non-Christians, believers and unbelievers. And we all live together and we all mix together in this world. But at the end of the age, Jesus says, the mixing together will stop. The angels will come and separate the evil from the righteous and throw the evil into the fiery furnace. 
And so in the first place, we find in this parable a warning to all who hear the words of the kingdom of God. You can be in the church. You can seem like you're part of the kingdom. But if you do not respond to Jesus in faith, you're not really a part of the kingdom. You're like a bad fish and you'll be cast out at the end. But it is also an encouragement to those of us who do listen. And we need that encouragement sometimes because of how this world is is such a mixture of people. It can sometimes seem pointless to to make all those sacrifices that we've been talking about as as part of the kingdom. To sell so much of what we have to, to give to others. To spend so much of our time giving to others and giving to the church and various kingdom causes. Because when we do that, it doesn't always seem to make a a meaningful difference in this life. Our lives end up very similar to those around us. We don't always get special blessings. And we're sacrificing a lot of the, the pleasures of this world. And we might sometimes wonder, why am I giving all of this up if it doesn't really seem to change anything? But Jesus tells us in his parable that the kingdom of God in this world is gathering up all kinds of people. There are true believers and there are hypocrites. There are repeat sinners who are truly repent, repentant and sorry for their sins and there are those who are not. And from the outside, we can look very similar. Just like different kinds of fish from the outside look very similar. But that doesn't mean that there is no point to a Christian life in this world. And so Jesus' parable is an encouragement that even if things look very similar now for believers and unbelievers alike, they will not stay the same forever. At the end of the age, there will be a great difference. The angels will come and separate the evil from the righteous and throw the evil into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And as verse 43 says about the righteous, the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. And so, take heed, brothers and sisters. Not everyone who assumes they will receive eternal life will receive it. You have to actually be in the kingdom of God. You have to put your faith in Jesus Christ. And in mercy, Jesus speaks very clearly in these verses of the judgment that is coming for those who do not trust in him. Eternal fire is what you will receive. Your destiny will be weeping and gnashing of teeth instead of joy. But if you hear his words and you understand them, if you confess your sins and submit to Jesus Christ as your Savior, if we seek the kingdom of God in this life with everything that we have, we will gain the kingdom and we will gain true joy. And it will certainly matter. It already gives us true joy in this life, but the great difference of all will be at the end. And Jesus is then also encouraging all of us who spread the news of the kingdom to spread the net wide. All kinds of fish, he says, will be gathered in by the preaching. Not all of them will truly be in the kingdom, but we do not know which. And it's not our job to distinguish which kinds of people are good and bad, especially when it comes to who we're preaching the gospel to. We just simply spread the net wide. We call everyone who will listen to come to God's kingdom. And then we leave it to God to work faith in people's hearts and to sort everything out in the end. And having spoken all of these parables about the kingdom of God, Jesus asks his disciples if they've understood in verse 51. 
And they say yes, perhaps we might think a, a bit hastily, because they surely don't understand everything Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God. But their answer shows faith. No, of course they don't understand everything, but what they do understand, they, they believe. And that's our task as well. What we understand, we must believe and act upon. And Jesus tells his disciples that they especially need good understanding because they're going to be teachers. And Jesus shows what a good teacher will do. He says, Every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. And these truths of the kingdom, these truths about Christ and all that God has revealed to us, they are, in one sense, they are old news. Throughout all of history, God has been teaching basically the same things. He's teaching people about their sin. He's calling His people to repentance. He's speaking about His grace and His mercy. And He's calling the people to have faith in Him. God's always been revealing Himself as a holy and compassionate God, promising both mercy and also warning about His judgment. And so the message of the preaching today is, in a sense, much the same as it's always been. And yet, every person is different. And every place and time is different. And so Jesus encourages his disciples that a good teacher will take these old truths and will turn them into something new. That is, will apply them to the people of their own day. And take the old news and make it understandable for their hearers and applicable to their lives and their circumstances so that these old truths become new again for a new time and for a new person. But above all, when Jesus speaks these words, he's speaking about himself because he, Jesus, is making everything new. And he fulfills all these old prophecies and he gives a greater and deeper meaning to all the old stories. God has always revealed to us about our sin. But Jesus is revealed as the only true solution to our sin. Because he takes on himself all of our sin and suffers it on the cross. And so it is in Jesus' name alone that we can truly repent of our sins and find them all washed away. And God has always revealed himself as a gracious and a merciful God. But Jesus is the very embodiment of God's grace and mercy. Without any merit of our own, simply because God loved us, Jesus came and, and God sent Jesus to this earth, into this miserable and difficult world. And he sent him in order to die on the cross, to set us free forever. And in his continuing life, Jesus has sent us his Holy Spirit, which, who causes us to be born again, born to a new and living hope. And so Christ, by his life and by his death, he has earned for us this kingdom that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for us. And so the Lord Jesus, above all, makes all these things new. And he will also make this world new again. For yes, today we do not see the kingdom in all of its fullness. We do not see the Lord Jesus himself face to face. But these words call us to trust him, to believe in him, and so already today to be part of his kingdom. And then to spend our lives loving him, serving him, and rejoicing 
with inexpressible joy. Waiting for God's kingdom to come in all of its fullness, when everything, everything will be made new. And we and this world will be perfect forever. Amen.